Welcome along to Women's Tennis Talk with me, Sue Thurl, and with you, Sophie Amiak. Sophie, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Ça va super. Et toi? Uh, très bien, très bien. Looking forward very much to the French Open, which is just around the corner. And, oh my goodness, the clay court swing, the European clay court swing has been fascinating and fantastic in equal measure. Let's start at the very beginning. So let's go back to uh, Rabat and Lugano and let's talk about Maria Sakari and Polona Herzog, two fantastic title winning performance from both of them. Yeah, I mean, Sakari beating Conta in the final, which we know what Conta has done after that. Uh, going into Rome, but uh, Sakari, I mean, she's just resurging into uh, the scene. I think the Tom Hill and uh, working with that new coach in a way and uh, has been helpful. Uh, I think she had a, a really a hard time at, at I think, mid, mid-season where Tom Hill pretty much sat her down. That was actually not mid-season, it was right before in Istanbul in her last first round. And they sat down together and, you know, he started to say, listen, you are a fantastic athlete. You have so much for yourself to go and play better on this surface. You know it. You played well in Rome already. We're going to start from new here. And and just the pep talk, the positive pep talk was a change in her mind and her mother also, Angeliki Canelopoulou, used to play on the tour when I was playing. Yeah, she's spoken about that, hasn't she, in the positive atmosphere in her camp and how much that's really helped her. And you know this better than anyone in tennis. It's so easy for the mental side of the game and a negative mental side to your game to really inhibit your performance when it really shouldn't. Yeah, and when you have a parent that is, not, first of all, knows what it takes to be there. She was 43 in the world, her mother, so she knows what it was to be on the tour. She knows what the demands were, and even more so today, because I think physically the demands are so much greater than when we were playing. Uh, at one point, she looked at her daughter and said, listen, I don't care if you lose or win. It's not about that. I care about who you are, and I am so proud of you. And you have to remember that when you're on the court. And I think it's been telling of how well she responded to those pep talks. I mean, how how better can you play than winning your first title uh, in Rabat? And it was a great weekend for Greek tennis because Stefanos Tsitsipas won same in Esther all the same weekend. That's right. Big weekend so for Greek Greek tennis. So Greek tennis is on the rise. Greek and tennis on the and Canadian tennis. And Canadian I mean, they're tennis. both like, it's like, where are they coming from? Although we're missing really Andreescu <laughs> yeah. in this Canadian mix with still the shoulder injury. I repeat myself over and over saying what a mistake that was for her to play Miami. In, in Miami yeah. after that tournament in Indian Wells. So much Maybe. pressure. I think she should have just taken the week off and enjoyed that victory. Yeah, yeah, because those victories don't come around hugely often, do they? So it's important to make the oh. most of them when they're there. And when you win one of the biggest tournament, you know, on the WTA Tour, you know, you, you now the attention, the recognition is, is so much bigger that you lose a lot more adrenaline. And she lost so much already on the court yeah. because of what she achieved and how difficult it was for her to push. And if she hadn't been injured, maybe play Miami. But with an injury coming into it, we saw how much she was hurting and the shoulder was it's strapped. It's going to get worse. Yeah. And I don't care if she says... I want to play. She's a kid. She's 18 years old. It's her camp. And maybe her camp said, you know what, don't play. And maybe she said, no, I want to play. I'm going to play. So that's different. I don't know the, you know, inside of the talk, but I thought that was the biggest mistake. And she could have played so well on this clay. Uh, I was looking forward to it. But anyway, that's a story for another day. Hopefully, she'll play at uh, Roland Garros, and uh, we'll see what she's able to do with only no, with no tournaments. To well, play. we can only hope. We can hope that she's there. Uh, we know that Maria Sakari will be there. Polona Herzog as well. What a fantastic performance from her in 
Lugano. She, she played magnificently in a, in a week where the weather was a bit of an issue, as it sometimes can be, but she put everything to one side and just blazed a trail through that draw. Yeah, and the springboard for her was her loss in Miami against uh, Simona Halep. Uh, she pushed Simona Halep to three sets. She played some ex- exquisite tennis. She ran out of gas in the third, which most players do against Simona Halep. Uh, but that really told her and made her believe that, you know what, I have what it takes to play against the best. And I think the confidence level showed, and she is so comfortable on the clay, on the red clay. The sliding is there. The forehand with a lot of topspin, the backhand, she can slice the ball. Um, the kick serve, I mean, she really has a panoply of everything that can work, you know, in our advantage on red clay. We spoke about confidence and positivity at the beginning of this podcast, didn't we, in relation to Maria Sakari? Those words could not be more appropriate and apt when you talk about Kiki Bertens as we talk about Madrid. I mean, her emergence on all surfaces in the last year, 18 months, has been extraordinary. She's always been a clay court threat, but for her, Madrid was unfinished business, having gotten so close 12 months earlier. But she was phenomenal in the Spanish capital, wasn't she? Yeah, I mean, I thought that... uh everything was clicking there. Uh, Although she didn't serve spectacularly well, but she served very well at key moments. And that really took her to win the title. Uh, I think, you know, for her to come back, you know, a year later and be able to progress to the final again and win it. I mean, that's monumental. It's it's not an easy task. Ask ask Petra Kvitova was trying herself to get back close to it. And they played the rematch of that final uh, in uh, the quarters. And uh, I think, you know, it was a 6-2-6-3. Kiki really took advantage of her power, a movement on clay, a drop shot. Uh, I think the altitude helped uh, a little bit carrying that ball with more pace in the ball. Uh, in, in the air and through the air. It should have helped also Petra, but I think that day, just Bertens was just so much better at it, less less mistakes and, uh, you know, a better play altogether. When you look at the players she took out, that is always a clue to where a player is at with their game and their confidence levels as well. Siniakova, Ostapenko, Savastova, Kvitova, Sloane Stevens, and then Simona Halep. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that, does it? Yeah, and clay court specialists, when you think about Sevastova, uh, when you think about Ostapenko, French Open, you know, winner, you think about, uh, you know, Kvitova, who's maybe not the clay court specialist, but we can think about her being a clay court specialist uh, today. I mean, she did win, you know, on her own soil last year, going into Madrid. Uh, in Prague, so you know that Prague conditions are more rele- relevant. She's one in Stuttgart also, yeah. hadn't she? So but she was Stuttgart completely more in- indoors. Indoors, though. no, yeah, yeah but still, faster. even so, it's faster. Yeah. But still, yeah. confidence level, she was yeah, there. You still wasn't have she? to know how to, how, to, how to play on clay and how to slide. But, mm. you know, for me, Rome was more of where you could really stand to find out who is really going to play better and well at Roland Garros. So uh, I think Kiki Burton's proved that she was able to do so by getting to the semifinals. Uh, I think Halep is a disappointment uh, to me, not only in the final of, uh, of Madrid, but uh, uh, although she did try hard and mentally kept and stayed in the match, but in Rome, uh, I was disappointed with her performance. I think that she uh, mentally was not 100% in there and uh, not 100% fighting. What do you think the problem is, if there is a problem? I don't think it's a problem. I think it's um, uh, it's... You know, it's almost like, you know, am I into it today? And, you know, it's tough because you have to be into it every day uh, when you show up on the match. And I think sometimes she reacts very well mentally uh, to the challenge. And you think that, oh, she's got it now. 
But then on other matches, she just folds. And uh, she's not showing, you know, how good she can be. And I'm not sure what it is. Was I'm there not, a hangover really... from Madrid for her, do you think? It's a tough draw as well against Marquetta von Drusifer, let's be honest. I mean, Yeah, or maybe in the back of her talent. mind, she comes to Rome saying, you know what, I'm having the hardest time winning this tournament. That's the only clay court tournament, bigger, you know, as big, uh, you know, is concerned as far as big tournaments on clay uh, that she's never won. So is, is this maybe that frustration and that anguish to get into a place where she wants to do so well and she tries too hard, maybe? I mean, maybe. that could be. Um, conditions were very, uh, very difficult in Rome this year because of the weather, but also because of the fact that the three courts that are played on are so different. I mean, you have Court Centrale that is very fast, uh, drier. And then you have uh, the next is Grandstand, Grand, cool. Grandstand, which is a little bit, you know, slower. And then you have Pietrangeli, who is even slower than slow. So the, the three together, you you know, you have to adapt, and it's not always easy. Uh, Kiki Bertens mentioned it during our match in the semifinals against Conta. She said, you know, I was not feeling good on the court. I was just not stable. It was very slippery out there. It was very windy, and conditions are both, you know, for both players, but, you know, with a frame that is much taller and bigger, it's much harder to stand your ground on the surface that it's slippery than when you're lower to the ground. And with grandstand court as well, depending on what time of day it is, it, uh, time of day it is, if the sun is out, you've got the shadows to contend with as well. That can be a big issue. Yeah, we didn't have to work too much with the shadow because it was raining so much <laughs> with so much cloud cover. It was, but we did have it a couple of days. You're right about yeah. that. It's true. I mean, we had one washout day, which really pushed the players to find out, okay, now who's physically really fit here? Because on that one day we had Conta went to play two matches. We had uh, Kiki Bertens went to play two matches. We had Azarenka went to play two matches. She had three matches, didn't she? She had doubles. Well, also. two with the with the doubles mm. afterwards. That's true. We had Kiki Mladenovic. Hey, here's a name from the past coming back in mm. the front in the front foot of the of the tennis. And Sakari went to play also two matches. So you know these players are fit, feet. Fit? Feet. Feet. I like no. feet. I'm, I'm getting there. You know, this accent. We don't have double E's in French. It doesn't exist, by the way. Do, do, that was no, just you a... don't. No, but, no, that's a very good point. I never we thought don't. of that. Yeah. <laughs> I love the way you say feet. I'm going to say it now as well, all the time. <laughs> well, it's fit and feet. Anyway, but, you know, let's not let's not confuse ourselves. Yeah. It's, it's about their, their, their physicality. Yeah. Okay? That's very where good. we are. I'm yeah. not talking about their beautiful uh, <laughs> feet. <laughs> in, any, yeah. in any case, so Sakari making it to the semi-final again showing how good she is on the clay mm. um, I mean she beat Mladenovic 6-love in the third she was down a set and three and 2-1 Mladenovic serving with 40-love up I can tell you that Mladenovic thinks still about that forehand that she could have put away could have done more with it uh, but a great effort for the French player who is coming also well, from the qualies round in this tournament and you can see already the signs are very very good about the early stages of her coaching relationship with Sasha Bain. I mean, clearly they know each other very well. They've been friends for a long time. Uh, and that was the right time, the right place, and the right moment for them to get together and join forces. And she'll be feeling really good, notwithstanding that match and the way it just slipped through her fingers, about heading to France, where she has such happy memories at Roland Garros, and, and doing it in the company of Sasha. Yeah, and you know, I said it on the, on the broadcast, uh, I think that it was almost better for her to lose there. I know it's hard to say, but if you think about the long run, if you had won that, coming into the semifinal and maybe making it to the final, I mean, who knows, 
in Rome, and then coming, and who knows winning, coming into the French Open, Roland Garros, yeah. with that target on your back. And that and expectation. that expectation from the French, yeah. uh, the French press. I mean, she would have been bombarded. Do, you know, do you think you have a chance this year because of how you're playing? I mean, you, you're a contender. I mean, that would have been, and she's not going to have that. She's going to have the question, you know, you're playing better. Do you think your tennis can bring you far in this tournament? But winning and far are two different questions and pressure. So in a way, I think it might have been, you know, a good thing. It showed that she had resistance because she played many matches in a row. It showed that she had, you know, a feel for I'm going to get back where I belong. Uh, I think it showed also that the... Um, you know, association with Sasha Bain is apparently working, and that's a plus. So in all, she's going into Roland Garros with, um, you know, very good mindset. And uh, not playing a tournament before, so she's in Paris, she's in her home and uh, practicing. And he's spoken very positively about what he sees in her game and the offers he had to go with other players on the WTA and the ATP, apparently. But he said he just felt he wanted to go with the player that he felt he could get the most out of, and it's her. So they're working on the backhand, they're working on the serve and the serve percentage and that second serve as well. And if if you can just make a few percentage point improvements in various departments, she, she could be a force again, couldn't I she, totally back in agree. the top ten? Totally agree, yeah. I mean, and, uh, you know, believing is probably like, what, 70% of, of the job. So, uh, no, it's great to see that. So, you know, in all, Pliskova was so impressive. Uh, I think that the match against Azarenka showed her true color again, coming back from a set down and... Um, I think Pliskova also, you know, thank you, Conchita Martinez. I mean, you, you can't, you can not say that in the way of if it wasn't for Conchita, would she have been so consistent since the beginning of the year, tournaments after tournaments? Um, I'm so impressed by the fact that she is now on a level of play where her unforced errors are so low that it's almost like if you didn't know the player, you would never think to put Karolina Pliskova on top of those stats. You will think, oh, yeah, that's probably Halep, or, you know, that's somebody else who is consistent. I mean, she had 14 unforced errors in the final against um, Conta, and Conta had 14 unforced errors in the second set alone, and that's uh, that's telling. Uh, the serve was exceptional in the final, for Pliskova, and you know, if that serve is there, barometer. Then you're in she didn't never. Mm-hmm. She faced, I think, two, maybe two break points or three. The there match was a break nev- point was when never she was broken. serving for the set, wasn't she? The first yeah, set, yeah. yeah, was never broken. Uh, and in the final, so, you know, another one who is improving on clay, understanding the the game. And she came into Rome with in a tournament that she's played so badly throughout her life. And uh, I'm sure having a four-time champion of Martinez in her box. It's, you know, it's sending a message to other people. Hey, look, I've got a, a clay court specialist here, all right? Watch out, because yeah. I'm learning and I'm applying. Because it's one thing to learn and listen, but applying everything on courts as a good student that she is, is another uh, story. Do you think also mindset-wise, she came to Rome just saying, I'm just looking for matches here, nothing more. That's what she said. There's no right. pressure. That's exactly what she said in the press conference. Exactly. Yeah. So so therefore, when you find yourself on a little run, there are only positives to be taken. There's nothing. There's no expectation. There's no negativity at all. In a way, that just really helped her. Yeah. She was laughing in the press conference uh, when she finished her semifinals against uh, Sakari. And she said, you know, I came here to just... I, I was hoping to get two or three matches before going to Roland Garros, 
laughing. She goes, well, I guess I beat that, and I'm, I'm happy, I'm thrilled. You know, that was before the final. So, uh, yeah, I mean. Fascinating what she now takes forward to Paris. Fascinating also what Naomi Osaka takes forward to Paris as well. We'll talk about Johanna Contra as well in just a second because she's had an extraordinary two or three weeks. But, yeah, Naomi Osaka, it's been a really interesting clay court season for her. Lots and lots of positives got to the quarterfinals in Madrid. Forced to pull out through injury in Stuttgart with that abdominal injury. Injury striking again in Rome. But 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 along the way, lots of really good performances, I think, from her. What do you think? Well, I think for her, it's it's you know it's a learning process right now on red clay. Uh, it's going to take what it's going to take. Um, is she capable to really do well at Roland Garros? It will be so soon, uh, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, anything is possible, and we know how she can strike the ball. And we've seen Ostapenko coming out of the blue one year and and doing exactly that against uh, Halep to win her, her first major. And you know, Saka could be in that group, but I think that she's not yet to the level of what she could play and how she could play on clay. I think the movements and the sliding is not quite there. Um, I think the brushing aspect of the ball needs to put a little bit more of that to reduce the unforced errors. The weather is going to have to do on a say in it. I mean, uh, you're nodding at me because you knew I was going to go. <laughs> I was going to go with that. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's looking pretty uh, damp and rainy right now. So if it's rainy and the courts are heavy, uh, difficult for Saka to win in one-two punch, three-four, five punch. That's going to take a lot of. Uh, a lot of physicality. Well, and 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 taking a lot of risks in mm-hmm. a game that has very little margin for error sometimes. Let's talk about Johanna Conta. An extraordinary couple of weeks for her and showing signs of getting back to the form that took her all the way to the top five. Yeah, I mean, I love what she said in her press conference uh, before the final when she beat Kiki Burton. She's, first of all, she's so poised and relaxed. If you have a chance to go online and on YouTube to listen to the press conference, she's so realistic and clear, uh, the way she expressed. And analysis, you know, why she's there and uh, why she's playing well. She's saying that, you know, in the last six, eight months, the, the practices have been so good. Every time I, I get on the court of practice, I show up. I give it all and I learn and I progress and I my game is getting better. I mean, it's not given to everybody. I mean, I had practicing where, practices where I thought I was regressing. And she's talking about every single one of them has been going forward, getting better. Um, I think she's also saying that she's always felt comfortable on, on red clay. Uh, her match against Burton's, to me, was better in the sense of the geometry of the court, the way she used it. She was playing a lot more cross-court and short cross-courts on clay. It's uh, lethal to use that. Against Pliskova, I think the down-the-line forehand was used way too many uh, too many times, and she was getting vulnerable off the back-end cross-court of Pliskova. So tactically, I didn't think she played that great against Pliskova uh, in the final, but... I mean, you know, two finals, you know, in three weeks for her, two lost, but still for Conta, it's fabulous and uh, to get back into that level. Well, also back in the top 30, first top five win for a couple of years and also moving into a a period of the season, not just the French, she'll go to the French with with bags of confidence and, and higher hopes than she would have had two months ago. But moving ahead to the grass court and the US Open swing, of course, that's when she really does come into her own. She's got happy memories of both. So I'm wondering if if moving forward and looking later through the year that, that there may be even more to come from her. Well, you think about, you know, her best surface is 
never been the clay as far as the results are concerned. She says that she's comfortable on it, but uh, never won a round at Roland Garros. Never. I mean, she's going in with no points to defend uh, and playing very well on the surface. So I think it's going to be dangerous to play contact. But and on top of that, she's going to be seated because of her move in the ranking as 26. So it's it's a huge thing for her. I think it's a great achievement. That's probably in her mind what she was looking for. Let's talk about Victoria Azarenka, who you feel is gathering momentum in in more ways than one, isn't she? Well, Wimphis had said it at in Stuttgart. He said, he said, I saw, you know, the old Azarenka back, and uh, I think she, I think she is. She's back to a level of play that uh, is, you know, rather in the top 20 right now, easily, um, and she's little by little grabbing and getting there. I mean, she was so close in that match against Pliskova. It's uh, the serve, you know, let her down. Um, too many unforced errors. <laughs> Imagine she had more unforced errors than Pliskova again. I mean, it's like, okay, here goes Pliskova again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, she and she loves the stage. She loves to perform. She's a competitor like no other. And when Fisset said she has never, he has never worked with anyone who works so hard. I mean, that's telling. I mean, when Fisset has been working with Kerber, mm-hmm. Uh, he's been working. Who else was he working with? I mean, he has. I mean, besides Azarenka in the early stage, but he is one of the coach who's been working with so many players. And uh, it's like uh, in my mind, can't remember who else. But he knows a thing or two about you know work ethics. So talk about that win over Svitolina as well from match points down. Again, that says so much about the mentality of where a player is and their belief levels. And they were very very high weren't they against Vitalina who I felt a bit sorry for because she was undercooked wasn't she because of the injury issues that she's had well I know but you can't feel that sorry uh, because I'm going to tell you what did you see the match point no okay do you, I'm going to tell you what match point was so Svitolina okay. serves 40-30 match point in the second set serves wide unbelievable serve that barely is retrieved with a one-handed backhand floating in the air from Azarenka here comes Svitolina charging, going to hit a swing volley with a forehand, which is bread and butter. She hits it at least three feet wide in the alley. Okay. Three feet? Yeah, at wide, like goodbye, like not even close. So this is, you know, this right there is saying, okay, you feel sorry, yeah, because she hasn't had the practice she wanted to. But, you know, when you have that as a, as a match point and you miss, you know, you have to think, okay, you know, she had it in a racket. She just choked. But that's basically. just that match tightness, that lack of being in those situations when you haven't been for a little while. Yeah, against I agree. a player True. that you know is more than capable of doing exactly what she True. then did, turning it around yep. and winning the match. I agree totally with you. It's the match, lack of matches that showed in that one point that could have changed totally the, you know, the whole draw, the whole tournament for her and coming into Roland Garros with really no matches uh, and a loss with a match point. It's like mentally you got to turn that around. And, uh, you know, sidebar, Gael is not doing so well either. So together, you know, they have to really pump themselves up <laughs> to be positive going into Roland Garros. They certainly do. Any other issues that leapt out at you from Roma Madrid as we think, start to think about Roland Garros? We're going to do a separate podcast, aren't we, looking ahead to the French, but... What were the issues? I guess injuries, actually. A lot of the players are struggling with injury. We won't delve into it too deeply no, now. No, because it, it will take 20 minutes because the well, list is long. To list them and go through all the various <laughs> injuries they have. But, uh, yeah, injuries are an issue, aren't they? They are an issue, and we, we will talk about this uh, definitely in the next podcast. Should we keep it till then? Yeah, let's, let's keep, keep it till let's then. Let's keep it till then. Do you know what that is, Sophie? 
That's what they call a tease in the business. That's right. We've teased you. Uh, I hope you're going to come back and find out a little bit more about that and the French Open because we are going to do a separate podcast very shortly available to you looking ahead to the French Open. But from me, Sue Thurl, and, and you, Sophie Amiak, we say goodbye and au revoir.